Class action lawsuits filed against convenience store chain Mapco Express illustrate a growing trend and raise questions about how much breaches that expose card data actually cost. In fact, it's the cost of these breaches that is actually driving a number of these consumer suits. And here, financial fraud expert Al Pasquale explains why. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Al, these recent class action suits filed against Mapco for a malware attack it suffered in the spring that exposed countless cardholders caught your attention. Can you explain why? You know, what we're seeing is that retailers are a prime target this year, right? But breaches have been a major factor in fraud for years. This is something we've looked at here at Javelin. Just as an example, in 2010, if you had received a data breach notification as a consumer, there was an approximately 11.8% chance that you would also be a victim of fraud. In 2012, that nearly doubled, meaning that one in four data breach victims were also fraud victims. So what we're trying to say here is that breaches beget fraud. And the question is really, you know, who's paying for it? So when we start talking about these uh, class action suits, I think we're trying to even things out or level the playing field because it's not just the organizations that are breached that incur costs. There's actual fraud costs associated with it as well that affect far more than just the breach organization. And that's why I find this whole thing so interesting. Now, Al, other suits have been filed in recent months for similar breaches against other retailers. One that comes to mind, of course, is the Schnucks grocery chain. Are these retail malware attacks getting more attention from lawyers? I think uh, cases such as this allow consumers uh, and issuers to more clearly assign responsibility. They can look at a single organization and say, this is where the breach occurred. If you're an issuer, you know, identifying you know, that common point of purchase is always a challenge when you're investigating card fraud. With these cases, they know uh, these transactions uh, occurred or these cards were used you know, at this one retailer. So it makes their job a lot easier and they're gonna focus their efforts. For consumers, uh, it hits home because these are typically uh, businesses where they shop constantly. I and mean, this is, you know, if you're gonna shop at a supermarket, you're gonna shop at the same one pretty regularly. And uh, I think consumers take this a bit personally. There's a question of trust when it comes to providing our personal information or our payment information to an organization. And we expect that these organizations protect that information. And when they don't, you know, we want to be properly compensated because, again, I, I think consumers are starting to realize, you know, what we're seeing here at Javelin is that you know, when my information is compromised, I'm going to be a fraud victim. And, you know, I trusted you and you didn't protect me, so now how are you going to make me whole? And I think that's really why these retail attacks are drawing so much attention. Now, beyond the claims that these retailers were not PCI compliant at the time they were attacked and card data was ultimately exposed, what core claims or issues are driving many of these lawsuits, would you say? Well, I'd say that the driver here is really connected to that same argument, that PCI compliance argument, but maybe the perspective is a little bit different. Uh, but it's really a question, I think, of acting in good faith where you know, consumers expect retailers to protect their information, whether that means being PCI compliant or even keeping the data more secure than what PCI compliance uh, requires. Uh, I think it's really the good faith question and when retailers are not protecting that information as they should, when they are not uh, you know, staying abreast of issues that are coming out, whether that be from alerts from you know, the card networks or otherwise, you know, consumers, they feel like, you know, the retailers just didn't do enough. And I think that's really what's driving these class action lawsuits. I think the whole PCI compliance issue is, uh, you know, causing some headaches as far as issuers are concerned. But um, I, I think for consumers, it really is the good faith angle that's, that's pushing these down the road. Now, retailers such as Schnucks, the one I mentioned earlier, have claimed that many of these suits have no merit. Do you agree? You know, these breaches don't occur in a vacuum. These 
these pieces of information, and whether that be the card data or other pieces of information, uh, they're being stolen for a reason. You know, something's actually happening with that information. You know, as I just mentioned, one in four breach victims are fraud victims. The bad guys are stealing a lot of this to commit fraud, uh, and there are real costs associated with that. But again, those are costs that are borne by institutions and individuals other than a breached organization. So if an organization somewhere is breached, then uh, that information is misused uh, to attack financial accounts, to commit things like new account fraud, or to attack existing accounts, uh, committing things like account takeovers. And, and these are pretty expensive types of fraud. You know, if we're talking about payment card data, that information is then misused uh, to make purchases. You don't steal millions of card numbers to do nothing with them. And beyond the organizations or businesses that are being attacked or being defrauded you know, with these stolen pieces of information, that information actually belongs to somebody. There's a consumer on the other side of that piece of information, and they're also a victim as well. They not only will feel violated uh, by uh, identity fraud in and of itself, but there are actual costs to them as well. You know, even if they're covered by zero liability policies or Reg E, you know, they still have to incur out-of-pocket costs when they take time off work, file a police report, or the time they spend, you know, dealing with disputing charges or fighting back and forth as to whether or not they were the ones who actually access their account and wired thousands of dollars out of it. These breaches aren't happening without a reason. And uh, yeah, I really think that these claims have some honest merit behind them. At the core, many of these cases actually include what they have determined or estimated to be the actual cost of a breach. But that's been a number that many experts have said is hard to calculate. Why is calculating the overall cost of a breach so difficult? When you talk about cost, there's a part of it that's actually pretty easy to calculate. We've seen that already, and that's the remediation cost. So that's the cost to an organization to improve their security, to pay fines and uh, levies and what have you as a result of the breach, and we've seen research out there that covers that. The hard part is calculating the actual fraud that's associated with the breaches. You know, what's the damage done to those external to the breach? That's been so difficult because it's very little incentive to follow the trail, if you will, when investigating these cases. Besides the fact, the number of cases can be uh, incredibly overwhelming. So if I needed to establish whether or not fraud was committed as a result of a breach, uh, I would have to follow that from the infiltration of the system where the data is stored, figure out where that information went to and who got their hands on it, then where they sold it and who they sold it to, and then whether or not they used it themselves or gave it to, let's say, a runner to use the information, and then identify how much was actually lost. And then I have to do that for every single case or every single piece of information that was stolen. That's incredibly challenging for any organization to do, especially when we start talking about thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of pieces of information. So if you're going to take that tact, which unfortunately many state laws require that you do in order to be reimbursed for any fraud, you're going to have a really hard time uh, figuring out exactly how much these breaches cost. There are other ways to do it, and that's something that we've tried to look at. Now, Al, you and I have talked about this before. It's a study that Javelin issued in early 2013, and the research that you did actually focuses on the cost of retail breaches. What types of costs were included in Javelin's reporting? We took a look at what re research was available. Again, the, the cost of remediation, that's out there. There was data breach research around the forensic piece, um, investigating how that occurred and what the motivation was. What there wasn't was a, an in-depth study on the actual fraud costs and consumer costs. And you know, we think that that is actually the largest component and that it was wholly ignored. So that's something we wanted to focus on. We actually did a number of case studies and we looked at what types of fraud could occur as a result of each breach and how much in total, or how much fraud in total would occur as a result. And we saw projections from the hundreds of millions to billions of dollars in fraud. And that's fraud that affects FIs, it affects retailers, 
uh, affects other businesses. We also saw um, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in cost to consumers. Consumers spending millions of hours in total resolving fraud resulting from these breaches. Uh, we really wanted to put a human face on these because we think that's been sorely lacking. And let's talk a little bit about card issuers. Where do you see card issuers having a dog in this fight, Al? Can we soon expect banks, for instance, to be filing lawsuits just as consumers have? You know, I think that's right around the corner. The NAFCU, they have been lobbying for uh, basically national data breach legislation as a result of all the retailer breaches we've been seeing. You know, financial institutions have an incentive when, let's say, a retailer breach occurs to look at the case from beginning to end uh, in order to assign liability because it's their finance, you know, their cards that are being misused. So they feel it in the pocket. Um, they're doing all the work, and they feel like uh, merchants, at least in this case, are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, FIs and merchants can have a bit of a contentious relationship anyway. There's always the issue of chargebacks and, you know, the, the feeling that they're not working together as they should. So I think that uh, issuers will be, you know, they're already pretty well motivated to get involved here. And we, once we start seeing a little bit more steam, you know, on these civil suits, uh, I, th I think they'll join in short order. And then overall, how is the industry, would you say, out responding to this rash of class action lawsuits that we've seen emerge over the last six months? Well, as far as retailers are concerned, I think right now it looks like they're hiding behind state laws, which really have a pretty onerous requirement for establishing uh, the connection between the breach and fraud. Again, it goes back to that whole uh, proving it from the, from the very beginning uh, of a system being infiltrated to the very end where the information is misused and filling in everything in between, which is a very tough thing to do. So they're relying on that now to protect them. You know, there's a lack of precedence otherwise when it comes to assigning civil liability, uh, which is likely to change pretty soon. You know, as far as the financial industry is concerned, uh, the industry itself hasn't been the victim of much in the way of breaches over the past several years, but they're suffering a good deal of the cost. And, you know, as I mentioned, I think they're about that close to really getting involved here. Uh, really, I think the point is that it's, it's right around the corner for them. Al, in the report that Javelin issued about data breaches and the losses associated with data breaches, Javelin notes that a data breach can cause financial losses for banking institutions, retailers, and consumers, even when the breach occurred at a third party, such as a payments processor. And, of course, we have seen a number of these types of breaches that have adversely affected the industry. So when we take an overall look at where we are right now and how these breaches are evolving, what more would you say needs to be done that isn't being done right now? Well, I guess that there are a few things. I have to address first things first, though. It's the same thing that uh, you'll see whenever anyone talks about data breaches, and that is protecting the data, failing to encrypt data, uh, failing to react to the presence of malware, or uh, you know, just pr protecting the information itself is uh, the first step. And that's, a, that's pretty obvious, um, but there's much more to it than that when we start viewing it through the lens of data breaches and fraud. So by that I mean uh, things like consumer empowerment. 12% of consumers within the past year have received a data breach notification. 51% of fraud victims received a data breach notification within the past 12 months. And what that really tells us is that the notifications themselves are not enough. And consumers aren't heeding that for one reason or another. Maybe it's a question of education. Maybe they just don't know what they can do to protect themselves. But that consumer piece uh, needs to be dealt with. And they're, they're the first line of defense. So get consumers active. Encourage them to use alerts. Institutions provide the capability uh, for consumers to be alerted when there are irregular transactions or changes to uh, contact information and the like. 
if consumers are using that, especially after getting a breach notification, it's very likely they can catch the criminal in the act and help prevent the fraud or um, encourage consumers to use identity protection. I know for the financial industry, it's been a bit of a headache, especially with all the CSPB actions uh, over the past year. But identity protection does have a place. It does protect against a variety of fraud types. And uh, very often when breaches occur, organizations will offer that protection to them, typically free of charge. Encourage the consumer to sign up. There's real value there. For financial institutions, which bear a significant portion of the cost, we think there's an opportunity when it comes to authentication. Uh, we saw in 2013, 80% of the institutions my group examined still allow consumers to authenticate themselves with a social security number. Where banks now are striving to keep up with FFIAC requirements, providing strong authentication, relying on things like one-time passwords, uh, geolocation, uh, even biometrics, they're still allowing a nine-digit number to be used to access accounts. Bad guys know that. They rely on that to circumvent these other authentication measures, nearly half of all consumers who suffered an account takeover had their social security number compromised. And that's because the bad guys know they can use it to access consumer accounts, commit account takeover, wire thousands of dollars out of these accounts. Financial institutions need to stop with social security number authentication. It's doing them a disservice and doing consumers a disservice. And finally, for merchants, uh, CMP fraud, it's bad. Uh, it's going to get worse. You know, in 2010, we saw misuse of consumer information uh, to commit online retail fraud overtook misuse of consumer information uh, at the point of sale in 2010 and 2012. We saw some really strong separation. Misuse at point of sale started to decline. I mean, online retail really started to take off with EMV projected to become widely adopted by 2017. It's only going to get worse if it follows anything like what we saw in the UK, uh, Canada, you know, or anywhere in Europe. Merchants, issuers need to improve authentication. Uh, consumers are ready. They find it easy to use. They find it effective. We need to encourage merchants and issuers to get over the hump, implement these solutions, and really you know, protect themselves and consumers. So it's not just protecting the data. It's really getting everyone involved. Oh, I'd like to thank you again for your time this afternoon. Absolutely. Anytime, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Al Pasquale of Javelin Strategy and Research. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.